The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Game Changing Smart Cities of the Future, presented by SAP. The best run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo in your company's future and help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the Game Changers, you are in the right place. Let's see what the buzz on the street is here on Smart Cities of the Future with Game Changers. Oh, my goodness. This is a quote from Graydon Carter, who is the editor-in-chief of Vanity Fair. Let's see what he says. He says, life is all about seating and lighting. I'm just going to let that one sit there for a second. Our keyword is lighting, of course. I hope you're sitting down, though. Really great show. Let's talk. By 2050, my goodness, that's 30 and a chain, 33 years from now, over 70% of the world will live in cities, according to the UN Department of Economic and Social Affairs Population Division. And they put those stats together just a few years ago. That means we're going to have a lot of people living in small areas. How will urban planners and civic leaders keep the lives and the skylines bright for all of these people. Oh my goodness. So one solution looks like it's going to be energy efficient LED lighting. It's already transforming urban lighting infrastructures into information pathways. Think of all this information going through that collect and share data and offer insights that are enabling and driving the smart city of today and tomorrow. Connected lighting has so many potential, so many possibilities. It can even become a backbone for the IOT. Come on, you know that's the Internet of Things for the functionality and help provide value beyond just illumination, just lighting up their lights. So my question for everybody is, see? Okay, theme is lighting, smart city, smart lighting. There we go. Let me tell you who our panelists are. We've got quite an interesting panel today, welcoming two newcomers. First up, we're going to be speaking in a moment with Suzanne Seitinger, Global Subsegment Manager for Open Spaces and Professional Systems at Philips Lighting. Okay, and we're very happy to have Suzanne here. Joining her on the panel is Matthias Weiss. If you're looking him up, the last name is W-E-I-S. He's the director of SMITE, S-M exclamation point, G-H-T. That's right, the exclamation point substitutes for the I. E-N-B-W, Energy Baden-Württemberg in Germany. And rounding out the panel, of course, is the lady who is the sponsor of this wonderful series, my colleague at SAP. She is Marlon Zelkowitz, Global Lead for Future Cities and Internet of Things, hitting all the, all the hotspots there, SAP Public Sector Industry at SAP. So 
we're going to circle around the table to Suzanne. And Suzanne has sent me a very interesting quote from somebody who's never been quoted on our show before, as far as I can remember. Lady Gaga. <laughs> Come on, all of you out there. Lady Gaga, she's only 31. She has hit the world big time. She's hit us with meat dresses. She's hit us with smoke and mirrors. She's hit us with everything imaginable. She happens to be a classically trained, phenomenally gifted American singer. You get past all the early day stuff. Original name, Steph Stephanie Joanne Angelina Germanata. She is glamorously gaudy. She's called a postmodern diva. And they say she has elements of Madonna. I don't know if Suzanne knows this. She's stitched together from elements of Madonna, David Bowie, and Freddie Mercury. And she is the first <laughs> true millennial, I didn't know that, first true millennial superstar. She started initially in high school theater and studied at NYU's Tisch School of the Arts before she dropped out. And look at her now. So here is the quote Suzanne has selected from what I think is already the vast lore of quotes from Lady Gaga. If you don't have any shadows, you're not in the light. Suzanne Seitinger, welcome to Game Changers. How are you today, Suzanne? Oh, I'm great, Bonnie. Thanks for having me. We're delighted. We have to thank Marlon for finding you, meeting you, and inviting you, so we'll be thanking her for that in a minute. Tell me, are you a big Gaga fan? Do you have a favorite... Yeah, go ahead. Tell me about well, the quote. I recently have become. I recently have become a big Gaga fan, and I have to say, when I saw that quote, I I just love it because for me, it captures the essence of what light is. Uh, you know, she she is she's dramatic, right? And she understands the theatricality of light, and that's what I love about this this quote because without contrast, without shadows. You can't see, like you said in the opening section. So imagine a scene where everything is evenly illuminated. It's the most boring kind of environment you could possibly imagine. Lady Gaga has never been on a stage that's evenly illuminated. Everything's about light and shadow and contrast and excitement. And that's what gets me excited about light uh, in cities. You know, you might not even be able to make anything out at all if all light is even. But thanks to all those contrasts and differences and shadows, that's what makes a city pulsate. That's what makes it exciting. That's what makes a skyline distinctive because of all those contrasts. And, uh, you know, she did a, she did a crazy thing at the, at the Super Bowl where she actually had flying drones over her head that were circling <laughs> kind of like stars, like pixels in the sky. And, and I like to talk about liberated pixels, this idea that light is, is a liberated digital element thanks to the LED era. And we're in that era now, and, and, you know, she brought it to life in a way that I don't think anyone else has ever. So uh, I, I, just, I just love her take on light, and I, I think it really captures the essence of how human perception is impacted by it. Thank you, Suzanne. What a thoughtful explanation. And I guess that's a quote from her probably in an interview. I should have looked further and saw, seen if I could, yeah, could it find is, it. Yeah. It's yeah, an interview would be, thing. Yeah, it's not from one of her songs. It's an interview. Yep. That's what I was going to say. I wonder if she has any quotes <laughs> about light in her songs. We'll have to set up a separate show for that. Marla, we're going to do a show part two <laughs> on, on the, the lighting, lighting up of our lives by Lady Gaga. Very interesting. I'm, I marvel, Suzanne, at how Lady Gaga has gone from a really to a wow. Her duets with Tony Bennett, which I know she has a, mm-hmm. a show that's been on Broadway. It, you can't even get tickets. They're outrageously expensive, but she is phenomenally talented as a trained singer if you get rid of all the and that's what shocked me and I think it shocked a lot of people that transition that cross I don't know it's called crossing uh, genre boundaries perhaps but 
but wow, mm-hmm. I was I was delighted, and she she does light up our lives. Very very interesting. Thank you, Suzanne, for the quote, and thank you for joining us. And now let's welcome our thank second. You. Our pleasure. Let's welcome our second panelist, Matthias Weiss, director of Smite. And Matthias has sent us a quote from Elon Musk. He shows up on our shows from time to time. I wish we could get Musk in person, but he is a South African-born Canadian-American. There's a, a, an interesting combination. Canadian-American business magnet, investor, engineer, and inventor. He's a billionaire known for his futuristic ideas. And his latest suggestion might just save us from being irrelevant. He's talking about artificial intelligence in one of his latest articles. If you don't know who Elon Musk is, just, just get out from under that rock. He's the founder, CEO, and CTO of SpaceX. He's the co-founder, CEO, and product architect of Tesla, which apparently is passing as though GE is standing in the lane, standing still with a motor off. Tesla is surpassing them as a, as a car company. He's the co-founder and chairman of Solar City. He's the co-chairman of OpenAI. The co-founder of Zip2, the founder of X.com, which merged with Confinity and became PayPal. As of 2017, last month, his estimated worth was $13.9 billion. That makes Elon Musk the 80th wealthiest person in the world. Here is the quote Matthias has selected from Elon Musk. Quote, persistence is very important. You should not give up unless you are forced to give up. I think that's the byword by which Mr. Musk lives. Matthias Weiss, welcome to Game Changers. How are you today? I'm doing well. Thank you very much. And uh, I'm very excited about the show and uh, see what's going on. Tell me about the quote. How does this? We're talking about smart cities. We're talking about smart lighting. We already got a great introduction from Suzanne at Phillips Lighting. So, what does persistence and not giving up have to do with our cities, our smart cities, Matthias? Uh, you know uh, what Elon Musk is uh, doing, especially with uh, Tesla and SpaceX. Uh, he's breaking up with you know industries with uh, which have a, a very very long tradition and uh, for centuries and uh, um, this is what's going on with uh, street lighting these days also um, street lighting is a very conservative uh, business it used to be uh, you know very similar and uh, for decades uh, nothing changed until LED luminaires showed up and uh, so this was um, you know a technical revolution for street lighting um, a couple of years ago, and uh, on these days we are at the second technical revolution when uh, street lighting turns into a smart city infrastructure, and uh, this is breaking up with um, <clears throat> you know um, a very conservative and uh, traditional business. Smart city infrastructure, very interesting. Does this go back to what I was mentioning in my opening, uh, Matthias, about energy-efficient LED lighting, urban lighting infrastructures, information pathways, collecting and sharing data? So it's not just lighting in the form of a visual perception, as I was dis- we were discussing illumination with Suzanne, but it's becoming information enlightening us and enlightening our cities. Can we go that far, Matthias? Yeah, sure. Um it's uh you know not about not all about the the lighting it's uh you know the leds are very important for the energy efficiency of uh these infrastructures but um um it's obvious that street lighting or the infrastructure of street lighting could do more for a city than just lighting because it's uh you know the the, the poles are just everywhere in every city in every street so um everything you can do with this infrastructure you 
you're able to do in a whole city, and uh, this makes uh, the whole infrastructure um, very interesting for uh, new technologies and new services. And, uh, you know, um, luminaires and the light is uh, just one part um, of that what is happening right now and um, of things that uh, will be able in, in, in future. Thank you very much, Matthias. We're very happy to have you here on the panel with us. Thank you for the quote from Mr. Musk. And now let's turn to Marlon Zelkowitz, the sponsor of our series. She picks great topics, great panels. Obviously, Marlon, welcome. And Marlon has sent us a quote from Jane Jacobs. Jane Jacobs was an American-Canadian journalist, author, and activist, best known for her influence on urban studies. Her influential book, The Death and Life of Great American Cities, published back in 1961, argued that urban renewal did not respect the needs of most city dwellers. Her book also introduced two concepts you may be familiar with, sociological concepts, eyes on the street, and social capital, two buzz buzz phrases. Here's the quote Marlon has selected from Jane Jacobs. Cities have the capability of providing something for everybody only because and only when they are created by everybody. Marlon, welcome. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Delighted to be here today. Ditto, ditto. Talk to me. You light up my life. You light up everybody's life with these topics and great panels, Marlon. So there's a shout out to you on your skills. So tell us, Jane Jacobs, what would she say about smart lighting, smart cities, smart infrastructure? Well, I think she'd focus on the fact that smart lighting is really an incredible opportunity to make the city a safer place for all the people in the city and a better place and more sustainable. And she'd focus on on the fact that, that everybody needs the lighting. It helps, you know, whether it's children who are out playing in, this, in the parks and going to and from the parks and to and from school who need the lighting to help provide the safety so that in the early morning hours when they're going to and from school or in the evening and dusk that they, you know, that they're safe, right? I think also she would be really excited to see the fact that, that many of the cities are looking at, you know, how do we make use of lights and what more things can we do with this so it's not just a structure. She'd be excited from a planning perspective to say, hey, we can put in there some improve uh, Wi-Fi capabilities so that the city has better coverage, so the people who are on the outskirts of society are actually included and have the ability to have, you know, 911 calls on their cell phones because they're within reach of or of a phone. I guess that's, I can't remember if that's 110 or 112 in Germany. The numbers are different, but it's really having that coverage, having that inclusion of all of society, and lighting helps enable that by being a part of that infrastructure. Thank you, Marlon. Yeah, go ahead. I was, I was going to say, say something, really but go ahead. I really like her. I love Jane Jacobs because she's, she was a relentlessly curious woman who was largely self-educated on the topic of cities, and yet she's viewed as a thought leader on this topic. And it just kind of goes to show you that with a lot of, um, with a lot of curiosity and a lot of hard um, sweat equity, you can really become a disruptor yourself. And, and she sort of disrupted the city planning space at the time when she wrote her book. So I, I wanted to give her a shout out for that. And, and I, I appreciate that. I have quoted Jane Jacobs, too, in some of my buzz, you know, that when I open the show, the buzz on the street. And I I really appreciate her perspective of inclusion. And that's such a big word inside of companies, Marlon, but we're talking about it inside of cities as well. Very interesting. Um, Marlon, when we think of cities, we think of danger. Many people think of danger. People from rural areas who come to urban centers, big cities, they say, oh, it's dangerous. And we often think of 
the darker part of town, meaning no lights, right? We think of the the dim uh, railroad station or the bus station or even parts of New York City. You know, you go down a side street and you think, this is dangerous for me to walk there or to drive there. There's not good lighting. So any thoughts quickly, Marlon, on, on how lighting helps to improve, well, I think you mentioned safety for kids, but safety for everyone in terms of visibility and not being able to have people hide in the shadows for the wrong reasons. Any thoughts about that, the social aspect? Oh, I absolutely think lighting does help improve public safety because for those who can see, you have a greater awareness of what's around you and you can you can then feel more comfortable and feel like you are at a safer spot in the city. You can also react. The other thing, though, I wanted to call out on the fact of road safety because I was in San Francisco last week and driving in the wee hours of the morning back to the airport on on a road that was not very well lighted. And I have to say, I did not feel very safe even driving as a driver, even with headlights in my yes. car. I felt like I had to rely on my sense of hearing as well to know when cars were approaching me because a lot of cars don't have really good lights anymore. There have been a number of studies in the paper about that, and I think that's also true. So if you don't have good street lights and you don't have good car lights and it's dark, you don't feel safe even if you're in a car, let alone out alone on the street on a sidewalk or trying to get from here to there, trying to find your uh, subway station or whatever you might be doing in the city. Thank you very much. That's exactly my point. Exactly my point. Even with your headlights, if the surrounding areas are dark, you just simply don't feel safe. It's like being in a in a an infl- city inflicted fog. But enough of that. Let's circle around to <laughs> Suzanne Seitinger at Phillips. Suzanne, we'd love to know where you're calling in from today, or where did we call you, and what's in your cup today? If you're drinking something interesting right now, if not, what would you rather be drinking that would make you smile, Suzanne? <laughs> Um, so it turns out I'm actually in the Netherlands today, in Eindhoven, and um, which is the home of Philips Lighting. So I, I'm kind of at at my home base right now. Have had a full day, uh, lots of exciting conversations. Believe it or not, about smart cities with uh, colleagues from around Europe, and it's just been fascinating to hear about different perspectives from all the way, you know, from the north and the south and east and west of of Europe. And it's just been exciting to see how different the trends are to some extent and also how, you know, you were just talking about, um, um, Marlon, about perception, how, say, in a northern country, uh, some residents prefer cooler color temperatures and in a a southern country, they potentially, or actually vice versa, they prefer um, warmer temperatures in the north and cooler temperatures in the south. And I think it's it's exciting to see how much people are influenced by light. So we spent most of the day talking about smart cities and smart lighting, so I'm all geared up. Um, but because it's 6 o'clock, uh, I did decide to, to have a quick, just a light uh, light drink, a light beer, a Vixa Vixa. <laughs> and um, it's a really nice light beer. You know, it's kind of special here. Uh, and it, it was funny because this weekend I finally got to go the town by accident where, where that beer is from. It's, it's right across the river from Maastricht, a small town called Vic, which is right next to where the single European currency was signed into law in 1992. So it's, it's auspicious that way, but also um, kind of a nice coincidence that I get to be here, sort of where it all started, at least for, for us at, at Phillips Lighting. So, um, so I'm having a good day. 
Wonderful. Glad. Thank you for, for uh, agreeing to be on the radio despite the time difference. We really appreciate it. <laughs> sounds like you're no having worries. a, hist- a historic. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, I'm sure the drink helped. It sounds like you're having some historic moments in terms of appreciating the history of where you are and what has happened in the past. Thank you so much for lighting up the show. Oh, I'm just going to be really punny today. Thank you, Suzanne. Matthias Weiss, <laughs> where are you today and what are you drinking or what would you prefer to be drinking? Well, I'm in my home office, which is uh, in uh, Germany, um, not far from the city of Heidelberg. Uh, maybe some of you know. Um, this is a, a pretty uh, famous German city, which is uh, um, worldwide known, and uh, it's a, um, a bigger touristic attraction. And um, a couple of days ago, I, w- I got back from uh, the Middle East region, and uh, I bought some Arabic coffee over there, and uh, this is in my cup right now, and uh, this is really strong stuff, so uh, it'll keep me awake um, for the next 45 <laughs> minutes, and uh, I guess after the show, I will have a, um, a German beer, which will be strong also. <laughs> <laughs> Strong man, thank you very much. Appreciate that. And Marlon, where are you today and what are you drinking that makes you smile? Well, I am in Washington, D.C., where the city is, is a sea of pink, not cherry blossoms. They've kind of passed, but we have all sorts of other wonderful blooming trees in, in and around the city. So in honor of the pink, I'm drinking a pink-colored uh, sparkling water. But I really wish I were drinking a rosé wine because somehow spring goes with rosé wine. Maybe something nice from uh, Provence or, or California. But unfortunately, I have many more hours to work today, and I think that might be a little disruptive to my workday. So I'll stick with the sparkling water. I am smiling. I'm appreciating that. I looked out the window this morning, Marlon, and it was really raining. I think the rain was so strong it woke me up around 4.30 and like, oh, no, not again. And I noticed that the pear tree planted on the lawn outside my bedroom window is in bloom. It's not pink. It's white. But the little buds and the little flowers just opened up, and I am delighted. But I'm a little bit envious of the pink buds where you are in D.C. I hear that the new First Lady's portrait was unveiled yesterday. Day, Marlon. Have you seen it? Apparently, it's quite. I, yeah, not in person. I just saw it on television, like you. She's yeah, not very. Much time in Washington, though. She's spending most of her time up in New York, and I don't know. Yeah. Um, I think she has a, a. She didn't want to disrupt her son's school year, which is certainly That's admirable. Right. Yes, I'm going to send her back to you in D.C. any day now. Don't worry, we'll take care of that. Okay, so (laughs) not to get political here, I'm drinking pure, clean water from a Brita filter in a clear, clean mug with a pink straw because I am hoping that the sun will come out today, not tomorrow, today. We need the sun today to help these beautiful flowers shine and grow. We're talking today about smart cities and smart lighting. We're calling this episode, You Light Up My Life. Anybody remember Debbie Boone talking about entertainers? You light light up. No, I won't do it. You light up my life, smart city, smart lighting. Very interesting panel. We're speaking today with Phillips Lighting, Suzanne Seitinger and Matthias Weiss from Smite. We'll find out a little bit about his company in a few minutes. And Marlon Zelkowitz, of course, at SAP. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and we're going to take a quick break. So don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. Leave the lights on. We'll be right back. Kevin out. 
When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The digital world is moving faster than ever, and the future will be defined by how quickly city and local government leaders adapt to accelerated ongoing change. The definition of future success is being shaped by many factors, such as increased citizen and business demands for digital services, a growing variety of digital devices and sensors causing a data deluge, and increased volatility in politics and environment, coupled with constrained resources. Join our experts as they analyze and discuss how the digital world can lead to a better future for everyone. Game-changing smart cities of the future is presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. You're listening to Game-Changing Smart Cities of the Future, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Game-Changing Smart Cities of the Future. Indeed, you light up my life, smart city, smart lighting. We're talking about LED, we're talking about infrastructure, we're talking about the ways to get rid of the darkness and bring cities into the light, both physically and in terms of data sharing, collecting, and insights to drive the smart city. Huge topic, wonderful panel, Suzanne Zeitinger from Philips Lighting, Matthias Weiss at Smite, SM, exclamation point, GHT, and Marlon Zalkowitz from SAP Public Sector Industry. So we're going to start the roundtable with some notes here from Suzanne Seitinger, and here's a very provocative statement she sent me in advance. She says, smart cities are not about fixing cities. Too often, IT players or experts think of the city as a metaphor for their network architectures. Let's talk a little more about this. Suzanne, Please tell us more. Thanks, Bonnie. Yeah, I, I really want to highlight this because I think the smart cities debate has gone through a big shift in the last couple of years, and it's particularly related to this idea that the city isn't a monolithic thing. It's not a problem waiting to be fixed, and it's also not perfect. It's not something you can architect, to use that as a verb, which I really shouldn't since I'm a real architect, and you're never supposed to use architect as a verb, but since we're talking about IT folks, they like to use it as a verb. So, you know, can you, you can't architect a perfect city. In fact, what you're trying to do is create an environment that really improves people's quality of life and delivers tangible outcomes today. And I think that's where the smart city has evolved to. It's the fact that mayors and other civic leaders really want to identify things that allow them to create new possibilities for their citizens. That might be related to all kinds of things, whether it's open data or whether it's also more comfortable, more uh, safe-feeling environments at nighttime, whether it's more exciting and dynamic skylines, whether it's more celebratory public spaces. All of those things are the things that make a city, I would argue, smart because it really delivers the kinds of things that people care about, delivers the kinds of stuff that people want to experience on an everyday basis. I think it's not just about, you know, shipping bits and bytes around. It's also about creating things that people perceive in their everyday life. And I think it's also 
part of the reality of addressing how cities have evolved and grown over time. Cities are layers upon layers of history. Even the youngest cities are like that. So how can we actually integrate new technology into that kind of context? And what's interesting about lighting at the current moment that we're at is that because it's a digital tool, you can really use it both on the one hand to change the perception of a space by transforming it visually, perceptually, and at the same time, you can kind of use the fact that this is a digital tool, that it's an information pipe uh, that you can then link to other kinds of city services, whether they're related to environmental data or traffic data or all these other kinds of capabilities that are so important. So that's how I see the smart city kind of evolving, especially from the starting point of smart lighting. Thank you very, very much. Before I invite Matthias and Marlon to comment on, on very interesting things you shared with us, Suzanne, I'm going to ask you, whose job is this? Is this a city planner? Is this a, Whose job is it to have this vision? And I'm using vision a little bit in a punny way because we're talking about lighting, lighting up my life, seeing, and I said in my opening, see, can you see? Whose job is it to envision? It's massive, Suzanne, to put all this together in, in some kind of a plan. So whose job is it to do this? I, I think that's an, that's a really interesting question. We are seeing all kinds of new, I'd almost say interdisciplinary disciplines arise, right? We're seeing lighting designers influence this work, urban designers, architects, city civic leaders. I mean, how many new chief data officers, chief information officers, chief technology officers have you seen? Or new, even new kinds of departments. I'm thinking like the Office of New Urban Mechanics in Boston, who really created a, a new department that really is supposed to bring different uh, other vertical departments together, combining, say, the school department with the lighting folks to make sure that kids have a safe um, path to walk home, or linking it with bus service to create, you know, a a clear um, visibility for parents on where their kids are at any given moment, or investing in the public realm, looking at the way park benches can be more than just benches. So, you you need these kinds of almost cross-cutting groups to think about these new possibilities and bring the opportunities together. And I think that is where a lot of this is going. A lot of cities are trying to create frameworks for that to happen within the context of their existing departments. And that's um, that's what's really exciting for cities, I think, and they're taking advantage of that new opportunity. Thank you very much for indulging my question. I appreciate it, and that's where I wanted to go with it. Matthias Weiss, why don't you comment on what Suzanne shared with us just for a moment or two, and then I want you to tell us a little bit about what your company does. Matthias? Yeah, our, co- our company is, uh, you know, um, uh, a kind of, we call it corporate startup um, uh, because it's taking uh, place in uh, the NBW company, which is uh, uh, one of the, three big um, power providers in Germany. And, uh, you know, it's uh, street lighting is, um, you know, um, a business uh, which EMBW is doing for decades and uh, for a lot of cities and communities. And um, we started uh, to work with LED technology pretty early in 2008, 2009, and uh, we really tried to push this technology into the German market. And um, after that, we, we started to think about um, street lighting in the smart city context. And um, so 
when we thought about that, we said, okay, LED technology and, uh, you know, lighting control, um, all those systems around that, um, they're just, uh, you know, like a state of the art. You know, not every city is using it, but, you know, in a smart city, LED luminaires should be used. So um, what's the next step after LED technology? What could street lighting um, infrastructure do in a, in a smart city? And so we start to think about that, and we asked mayors. Um, we talked to different authorities and uh, to, to get an um, imagination what the people think about uh, this infrastructure. And uh, we had, a, at the beginning, a lot of ideas. And um, so we started a little project, and we started with two people, um, you know, to develop technology and uh, business cases uh, to develop smart lighting infrastructure. Um, but we did not mention the light itself. We thought about functions and technologies which would be able to be integrated into the poles because, you know, the poles, um, there's nothing inside. There is space you can use for other mm -hmm. things, and uh, we tried to do that. And so we started to integrate public Wi-Fi systems. Uh, we started to integrate SOS um systems, environmental sensors, and, uh, you know, so it grew and grew more and more, and uh, today the team is about 18 people, and uh, we are running projects in uh, about five nations, and, uh, yeah, it became pretty big, and uh, it's still, you know, going on, and uh, let's see what uh, in future will happen. It's a very exciting thing, and Uh, we took the chance to create something really new um, at the very early stage. You know, today everybody is talking about smart street lighting, and uh, most people, when they're talking about street lighting, they're talking about, you know, controlling the luminaires, get all the information out of the luminaires, and uh, dim the light and um, implement lighting by demand. But um, when we talk about smart street lighting, we are talking about, you know, um, Wi-Fi networks, additional functions and stuff like that, up to EV charging. So um, you can use this infrastructure for many, many things today and as well in future for much, much more. Thank you, Matthias. Good, good to learn about your company. What's your thought about what Suzanne said a few minutes ago about smart cities are not about fixing cities? What, what's your point of view on this? Well, I think, uh, you know... Um, Yeah, the discussion about smart cities, and uh, I'm, I'm in line uh, with Susan on that point. Um, uh, I think it's uh, too much about big data and IoT. Um, this is not all about uh, smart city. Um, you need the, the infrastructures as well, and uh, you need to have a look on uh, what are the needs of the citizens and the people. And, um, you know... Um, those requirements, you, for sure, you, you'll need all the data and you can make a lot of information and services and uh, improvements out of information and, and data, but um, somehow you have to, to get it and uh, you have to think um, on what are the, the real needs. And I think uh, this will depend and uh, maybe there are differences between the cities, you know. I think smart city is a very individual thing. And um, so I'm, I'm, 
I'm very in line with the uh, with the words of uh, Susan. Thank you, Matthias. Marlon, love to get your POV on this. What do you think? Interesting observations. Um, well, I agree with both Matthias and Suzanne that a lot of what's happening in smart cities has to do with infrastructure. And infrastructure is not limited to technology. In fact, quite the opposite. Um, technology enables the infrastructure to work better and to be smarter. Pardon me for saying that. So we're, we're talking about a lot of roads or bridges that may need to be reconstructed. We're talking about street lights that we're renovating. We're putting in LED lights. We can do more with that and we can make it work smarter. And how do we do that? With sensors that connect in that, so we can monitor them remotely, so that we can dim lights, so that we can know where a shot has been fired. There are many ways. But this brings me to another point, um, which is around silos. So a lot of information in today's world, in particularly in government, exists just in one silo or another. And to make it really valuable and smarter, we need to cross those silos. And we need to bring together information from the lighting systems, from the roads, and we want to see it on a map, and we want to see where things, more things are happening. Same with uh, public safety, which coincidentally is our next show. And, and then if I get to my third point on this topic, because I don't want to take up too much of everyone's time, no, you mentioned, good. you asked the question about who's leading smart city yes. initiatives. And boy, does that vary from region to region and country to country. In some places, like in Singapore, you have a smart nation initiative. Um, in other cities, you have a smart city leader. Uh, the city of Atlanta has a smart Atlanta lead. Uh, they, um, other cities will have the chief innovation officer driving that forward. In other cities, it could be the mayor himself or herself who leads the smart city initiative and then relies on a team of people. But we're seeing new roles pop up in cities um, because of all this transformation and all this change. Um, example. The chief innovation officer who may be responsible for an innovation network in a city involving startups, involving um, universities in the town. Also, the chief digital officer who may be involved in the data strategy and how do we get this information shared across silos and across the city to, to make it more valuable and have, drive better outcomes for people. So at the end of the day, it's really about driving better outcomes for your constituents. And that goes back, of course, to the quote you selected from Jane Jacobs, right? Bob, the city, exactly. by the by the people, for everybody, created by everybody. Thank you both. And I'm going to circle around to Suzanne Seitinger at Phillips and ask you, Suzanne, any thoughts on what Matthias and Marlon added to your topic? And then I'm going to pick something from Matthias's notes. Suzanne? Yeah. No, both, both of their comments really resonated with me, Bonnie, because uh, on the one hand, um, with Matthias, what I, what I really appreciated is that he highlighted the ubiquity of lighting. So one of the things, you know, by different counts, there's about 300 million streetlights out there in the world. But guess what? Not that many of them are part of any kind of smart infrastructure system yet. You know, it's maybe 2% or so are truly connected to any kind of data infrastructure. So we have a huge opportunity ahead of us because we have this ubiquitous infrastructure that we can both upgrade to optimize the lighting itself, like he pointed out, but also to do more. So we have that opportunity today, and we're right on the cusp of seeing this happen. So it's really on all of us to work together to deliver these new systems to cities as they start to think about energy-saving technologies. Don't just think about the energy-saving piece alone. Think of what else you can do if you add some intelligence to it as you're going to each and every single one of those hundreds of millions of light points out in the world. 
So I, I think the idea of ubiquity and what that means to really drive and enable IoT systems in cities is key for us to keep in mind. Now, the other piece that resonated with me of what, what Matthias said is, is doing more within that infrastructure. Now, there's a lot of reasons to do that. Uh, you know, partially it's visual also, right? It looks much nicer to integrate things rather than have tons and tons of stuff in a city. But it also creates uh, efficiencies for cities. They're under, you know, they're under constraints. They need to see how they can do more with less. So the idea of leveraging the lighting infrastructure to do more is really exciting. We've been working with the city of Los Angeles, for example, to think about how additional sensors might be added to the already distributed and deployed lighting control system that they've actually spearheaded. They're really forward thinking when it comes to the implementation of energy saving technology and digital technology. Um, and, you know, so that's really what resonated with me on, on Matthias's topic, ubiquity and doing more with, with a ubiquitous system. Uh, on, on Marlon's point, what I, what I really liked was her, her point about the silos on the data end of things. You know, we talked about the organizational piece in cities, but what about the data and, and bringing it together and there's a great uh, example of something we, we did together um, with SAP in um, Buenos Aires, a really large, large world city where they were looking at lighting and they heard a lot of complaints from citizens about outages. And like we said in the opening section, when the lights are out, you really don't want to walk down a certain street. You just don't mm-hmm. feel comfortable. So it really does bother you. And that generates city complaints. That generates a perception of no one cares, right? Another one of those concepts in planning about if people don't feel like the administration or the city government's taken care of their street, they feel neglected. So the, what was really interesting was combining data from the remote city touch lighting management system with the SAP system to really close the loop when it came to doing maintenance work out in the field. And sharing that information was essential to get stuff um, maintained faster, more efficiently, more effectively, more cost effectively, and in the end, make sure that also all of that data was captured over time so that we can optimize the lighting system itself in the future. So both systems end up benefiting both from a city kind of governance and uh, financial perspective and from a maintenance operations perspective, tons and tons of benefits of having that linkage. So really combining uh, what, what Jennifer Bellicent from, from Forrester, she has this great triad of, of systems of automation out in the physical world, you know, the IoT system, the lighting, with the systems of record in that back end, with the people out in the field, you know, the, the actual people experiencing the city on a day-to-day basis. So I, I really loved her, her comment on that ability to link these smart IoT lighting infrastructures with that, with the overall other view on the city and its kind of pulse, if you will. Thank you very much, Suzanne. Marlon, interesting comments from everybody. Matthias, I'm looking at your notes here, and and, uh, here's a place I'd like to take the conversation. You say the evolution of street lighting in cities will be exemplary for other urban infrastructures. And let let me add a little bit to this. You say street lighting is a very old and established infrastructure in our cities, initially for one function. Today, we're in front of the expansion of new infrastructures, such as charging points for electric vehicles. And you ask the question, is it making sense that those new infrastructures also fulfill just one single use? Matias, sounds very forward-looking. Why don't you tell us a little more about your thoughts, please? 
Well, just like uh, just like uh, the um, the note says, um, you know, the the street lighting they are very. Most of the street lighting, and uh, Susan will uh, can tell you that also, um, are very are very old. You know, they are in an age. Uh, they have to be replaced in the next couple of years, um, and um, all that all that infrastructure was built up decades ago. Um, it was just like I said made for only one function to to bring light to our streets uh, for more safety and uh, more comfort so um today we are talking about you know additional functions which which could be transported with this infrastructure into um a city um make it multifunctional so and on the other side we're starting uh to build up new infrastructure like the example with the EV chargers and um, as it, it's going on right now, we are building up this infrastructure of EV chargers in the same way like we did with the street lighting decades ago. Today, they are made for just one function, to charge electric vehicles. So, and I think um, that's not really smart because um, if... If you're talking about street lighting and with the experience we are doing right now with the street lighting infrastructure, um, you should, you know, transport this vision to inf- other infrastructures also. So EV chargers could do more for a city than just uh, charging electric vehicles. So at least they will be able to uh, bring public Wi-Fi, for example, because in those technologies, there's enough space inside also um, especially when you're concepting the technology for multifunctional things. And, uh, you know, for example, everybody's talking about 5G. If there's some, but sometime will be a 5G rollout, uh, all the providers, they will need assets to bring out the 5G. So why not think about other infrastructures where we can implement um, future technologies to bring them out um, in a, you know, what you call it in a, you know, um, to to reach the whole city. Mm-hmm. So the same is going on with um, the the fiber broadband, uh, especially in Europe. You know, there's this, a lot of movement going on right now um, uh, because the, the cities and the communities um, they are bringing out the the fiber um, optics to their cities, mm-hmm. and um, they're planning that like they planned. They're used to plan in the in the last years, in the last decades. Um, it's all about you know bringing fiber to the home, and um, in my opinion, they should think about fiber to infrastructure also, because if you have a 5G station in a electric vehicle charger in future, in future, it'll need you know a high speed connection. So it will be smart to have a fiber optic at the EV charger. So, um, but that this all is matching in future, you have to think about it now because now we are building those infrastructure and now we are starting something new. And um, so we have to have this cross-thinking in developing um, technology and in urban planning. And, uh, Thank you, Matthias. About this note. 
Yeah, thank you. Very interesting. Uh, that was goes back to the question I asked the panel a few minutes ago. I think I, I started asking it to Suzanne, is whose job is it to envision all of these possibilities, this potential for using things like street lighting infrastructure for multiple purposes that will improve and lighten up the city and, and uh, be something created by everyone, for everyone, going back to the Jane Jacobs quote that Marlon selected for our show. Marlon, love to get your thoughts on the insights Matthias just shared, please. Oh, I think I think Matthias is really pointing out something very, you know, practical that you have this these network of of lights and infrastructure that's already there that can do so much more. And if you think about putting the, you know, you think about also what Suzanne said about the ubiquity of lighting. Um, think about what if we use that for EV chargers? Well, that might actually allow us to better be able to have more people using these electronic electrical vehicles. You know, if, if I'm worried about the, running out of gas or juice when I'm driving around stuck in traffic on, on the Beltway in Washington, D.C., I'm probably not going to go for one of those smart EV charging cars because I'm going to worry I'm going to be the cause of yet further congestion. But if there are these opportunities, these possibilities to pull off and, and to know that reliably I can find it because it's there with every lamppost or light post, that's going to make it much better. Same with the 5G capabilities, too. That's going to enable even further possibilities and transformation, and, and the light poles may be a, a natural place to consider putting those additional devices to be able to boost the signals. So it makes a lot of sense. Thank you. It certainly does. Suzanne, I want to make sure we were just yeah. about at the end of the show where it's time for our crystal ball predictions, but I'd love to get your thoughts on what Matias shared with us. Go ahead, Suzanne, just briefly. Yeah. No, we're, I mean, and, and we're actually, we're doing it. Uh, we're seeing it right now, exactly what, what Marlon was just describing and, and what Matias was describing. You know, in Los Angeles, we've been working with the city to roll out poles that actually house some of that future uh, PicoCell infrastructure for the mobile network operators, because especially in cities is where it matters. That's where people are. That's where people need connectivity. That's where people need higher data rates. So it makes a ton of sense, because on the one hand, you're enabling the city to do its LED conversion much more quickly, and on the other hand, you're providing a new service to the city that's generating revenue, uh, and you're providing better service to the citizens who now have better data rates and all those urban canyons that maybe weren't being served as well. And then as new technologies come online, like uh, Matthias was saying, you can actually also house those. So we're actually seeing these new capabilities through our partnerships together with different kinds of both technology providers and mobile network providers really provide a new level of service, a new reason to deploy lighting, another reason and, and actually generate new business models that didn't exist before. I think that's really important to highlight is that the connection or the driver behind it is uh, the business case that's being generated. On the one hand, it is the energy savings. It's the return on investment really directly to the bottom line for the city. It's the operational savings of the smart lighting system as they're getting data in real time from the field. But then in addition, it's these additional capabilities that are now even generating revenue for the city, which is a very different set of um, uh, context, really, for them and a different way of thinking to for a lot of these city departments uh, that, that now have new opportunities at hand. And so I think for them, it's also really exciting because they see lighting as this tangible way to get started with something concrete today that then even has possibility to evolve and, and grow over time. 
So, you know, uh, Suzanne, really uh, Bonnie, I've got to jump in here. Suzanne, yeah, go ahead, Marlon. Go ahead. Suzanne just <laughs> made a great point. One of the big yes. obstacles to adoption of some of the smart lighting systems is the actual financial and capital in- expenditure required yeah. to do that upgrade. And what Suzanne is pointing out is that there are ways to find additional potential funding sources by combining these different types of technology sources together. You know, so you're combining the, the wireless network and the street lights, and that makes it more affordable for the city to be able to embark on the project or the county or the region. And it's really, really powerful. And, and it's kind of a, a one of those virtual circles where everybody wins. And everybody wins when we go to our crystal ball predictions round. And you know what, Suzanne? I think you already gave us your prediction. You were so articulate. You were forward-looking in your comments. So I'm going to say Suzanne already did that. So, Matthias, I can give you 60 seconds. Yes. Well, I'll circle back after we we get 60 seconds from each. I'll give you one more shot. Matthias from Vice from Smite, 60 seconds. What's your prediction for smart lighting in smart cities around the year 2020 or beyond farther into the future? Matthias, predictions, go. Well, uh, in future, you will um, you will uh, see this infrastructure of street lighting in, in many many different ways, and I think uh, there will be uh, stuff uh, we are not thinking about today. Uh, but the fact that this infrastructure is uh, obviously the the um, uh, the infrastructure of a smart city, which is just in every corner of the city. Um, will make it very, very attractive for many, many things and uh, up to charging stations for drones and stuff like that. Ah. Lighting will be uh, just a little part of it in future. Thank you. Very interesting. Charging stations for drones. Marlon, I got 60 seconds for you. We're going to make a little more time for Suzanne when we're done. Go ahead, Marlon. Oh, I think that the... Um, smaller cities are going to need help to do this. The larger cities are going to, by 2020, will have largely all begun or implemented these kinds of projects on smart lighting. Thank you okay. very much. Time to give time. To yeah, <laughs> Suzanne, we want to make sure you have all the time you need. Suzanne, I actually can give you 90 seconds. How's that for a gift? <laughs> that is a gift. I mean, I just love this question, Bonnie, because I spend most of my day thinking about how the right light can really transform cities for the better. And, and I think that's going to continue to happen. Uh, I think it's going to happen under these realities that cities face, though. You know, cities will continue to have to be smarter to remain financially viable. So as we start approaching, you know, more than two-thirds of our population living in cities, I really expect that ubiquity of lighting to become much more important and much more salient. So we are going to see those smart street lights. They're going to serve as points of information aggregation. They're going to be used to gather data that's relevant for the public on traffic, on air quality, on crowds, on security, on energy consumption, on waste, on transportation, and on and on and on. And I think, uh, like Marlon said, that's going to happen really much more quickly than, than maybe we think. And, and I think we'll also start to see new connectivity technologies start to infiltrate or, or in, intertwine with what lighting is. Uh, now, I don't know if you remember in Blade Runner at the end, the, the flying lights. I mean, I don't think we're going to have actual lights flying on drones, but I do think we will start to see these significant, tangible improvements to quality of life um, that are really also focused towards pedestrian environment and, and, and quality of life. So this is the path into IoT for cities, and, and that's what we're going to see happen in the next, in the next decade. 
Very exciting. Thank you very much. Suzanne Seitinger from Phillips, Matthias Weiss at Smite, Marlon Salkowitz at SAP. Marlon, looking forward to your next show in a couple of weeks. This has been certainly an enlightening experience for me, talking about smart cities and smart lighting. Indeed, thank you to our wonderful panel for lighting up my life and the life of our listeners. We've been tweeting at hashtag SAPRADEO. Go take a look and follow the conversation. The podcast will be available in a couple hours. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Very appreciative to my panelists and to our engineer, Kevin Gassman at Game Changers Radio. That's just about what it is. Kevin, World Talk Radio. And a shout-out to Ryan Treasure for unraveling the mystery of the broken tie-line cable connection earlier. So thank you both. So here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. Well, if you're walking in a smart city, hopefully the lighting, the smart lighting, will become that seatbelt for your safety. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. Be like Suzanne. Be like Matthias. Be like Marlon. Talk to you tomorrow here on the Business Channel, 11 a.m. Eastern with Coffee Break with Game Changers Part 2, The Money Makeover with, oh my goodness, with Bitcoin and with blockchain. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Game-Changing Smart Cities of the Future, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again Tuesdays on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.